So you got two weeks back to back. Hey, how many know, seriously, how many know words can be tricky? You know, I mean, words can, you know, uh, uh, they did a set, uh, uh, Bubba was sharing this with me, and I, if I get it right, I may not, you know, whatever. But they said, they did a study showing three of the hardest things for people to say. I'm sorry. I love you. And Worcestershire, sister, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce, something. <laughs> did, I, did I do it okay? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I, I read an article this week. Um, you know, men, we can get in trouble when we don't listen. We act like we're listening, but we're not. Come on, women. Absolutely. I, this week I read an article uh, about how men die tend to have selective hearing. Now, I did not necessarily agree with this statement until they gave an example. And tell me what you think, women, men, if it's true. They said, what, a, what women are actually saying. Honey, this house is a mess. You and I need to clean it up. Your stuff is all over the floor. You will be without clothes if you don't wash them now. What the male ear hears. Blah, 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 honey. Blah, 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 you and I. Blah, 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 on the floor. Blah, blah, without clothes. Blah, 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 now. <laughs> Some of y'all, oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hey, uh, let's go back to a passage we looked at last week. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. They'll be up here on the screen. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. This is Jesus talking. He says this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its what? And he says, you brood of vipers. He's talking to the Pharisees. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is saying, he's comparing the tree to our heart and the words that come out of our mouth to the fruit that grows from that tree. And he said, hey, whatever comes out of your mouth is revealing the condition of your heart. What's really going on? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. There's a saying we use a lot here in the South. If someone's exaggerating something or you know they're lying, we'll say what? You're, you're full of it. You're full of it. And so Jesus said, hey, essentially that, what you're saying what is revealing what your heart is full of. Look at verse 35. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, good fruit or good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. Uh, Matthew 26, 36, 37. He says this. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held. Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word they have spoken. Then he says this. Your very words will be used as evidence. Your words will either declare you innocent or guilty. Man, that should be troublesome to us. 
knowing that we're going to be held accountable for every careless word we've ever spoken. Who will be honest say you've spoken some careless words? You've said some things, and immediately when they come out of your mouth, you wish you could retract them. Come on, any honest people in here? So, so what can you do? It, you, you say you know, you go to God. God, forgive me. I said some things here. Here in Matthew twelve, Jesus is showing. Hey, there's a connection between what you say and the condition of your heart. There's a connection there. You speak, you say what your heart is full of. Here's what David said in Psalms 19, 14. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. David understood there's a connection between what I say and my heart. Our words are valuable. They Also, our words can be used to trap us. You know, look, look what the proverb says. You can be trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. You've been trapped. You've been ensnared. You don't think Satan knows this, that he, we, he can trap us by the words that come out of our mouth? That's why he's constantly putting huge efforts to get us to speak words that bring death and not life. Even things we, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to give you three lies that the enemy uses. Three lies that the enemy uses to trap us. This first one, don't bring it up yet. If you're taking notes, listen. First one, we grew up in the South. Man, I'm, I'm American by birth, Southern by the grace of God. I believe, I believe in the Constitution too. But here's our first point, so stay with me. The first lie is this, the right of free speech. We've heard it more and more lately. Our constitutional right for free speech. Believe me, I hear you. And I am so thankful that I live in a country that has given us the right of free speech. But listen to me. Just because we live in a country where we have the constitutional right of free speech doesn't mean that we can say anything we want to at any time and not expect to be held accountable for the words that we just said. Let me give you an example. I was watching uh, the uh, uh, College World Series. Tennessee was in it. And, and there was one, I can't remember, uh, Ben told me the guy's name, but I can't remember it. But the guy was up at bat. He didn't like a call that the ump made on the pitch that struck him out. So as he's walking away, he turns around, says something to the ump. Immediately the ump, you're out of the game. Throws him out of the game. Well, the pitching coach comes out, gets involved. Throws him out of the game. Did they have the right to say whatever they wanted? They did, but did it cost them? Not only did it cost them, was one of their best players. And the coach, man, relied heavily on this pitching coach. And now, for two games, they're out of the game. It affected their whole team, not just them. So could they say that? Absolutely. But he's going to face consequences. Are you following me? He had the right. Another blogger, this author and blogger, David C. Hines, in, in his post, Free Speech 101, and I edited this for, for you. He said this, freedom of speech does not protect you from the consequences of saying stupid crap. I'll let you guess what I edited. 
Let's take it another level. Just because something is legal doesn't make it right. Come on. I think we can agree there are several things in our great country that are legal but doesn't make it right. Well, y'all are tougher than 9 a.m. That's saying something. I have the right for free speech, but that doesn't mean there won't be consequences for the words that I speak. Let me ask you, and I, I, know, my, I know my audience, and I'm not going to ask how many have been arrested. <laughs> but let me say, if it'll make you feel better, I've been arrested. Last week. No, it wasn't last week. <laughs> last week. So, but yes, if you're, I have been arrested. Uh, but what is the first thing that an arresting officer is supposed to tell you? Your Miranda rights. You have the right to remain. Anything you say can and will. Y'all know that way too well. And don't tell me, oh, I watch a lot of Law and Order. No. You were part of Law and Order. Uh, sometimes, listen, sometimes the best right you can exercise is to shut your mouth. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. That's why the psalmist gives us some prayers to pray. Look at Psalms 141.3. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. The, the Hebrew word that gets translated there for guard means to have charge of, to keep watch over, to restrain, to restrain. We should put that somewhere we see it every morning when we wake up. Lord, help me keep my mouth shut. Lord, put a guard over my lips. Well, what about this one? This is my, my wife's favorite. Uh, Psalms 139.1. I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. Here's the way the passion says it. Like a watchman guards against an attack of the enemy. I'll guard and muzzle my mouth. We were in, when we were in Scot Scotland a few weeks ago, we wanted, one of the places we toured was this pink castle. And uh, they, they had signs up, please don't take pictures inside the castle. And I thought my wife would ignore those rules like she normally does, but she did not. I wish we had a picture of this. But there was this, inside this glass was, was this uh, metal thing, this steel. It, it wasn't a full mass, but it had wire here where it was set over a head. And then it had this metal piece that fit in the mouth. And then he said, what, what is this for? Well, the, the young, very young tour guide began to tell us, oh, that's when if a woman was talking too much, they would put that steel thing over her head and the metal piece in her mouth, my wife, that poor tour guide, my wife could not believe what she was hearing. And so at the end, I said, hey, hey, do you have these for sale in the gift shop? So, <laughs> Come on now. Honestly, we would save ourselves a lot of trouble if that became part of our wardrobe, a muzzle. Because our mouth gets us in more trouble than anything else. Amen? 
Look, look I want, Proverbs 7, it lists seven things that God hates. Look, look at these. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Three out of the seven things that God hates have to do with our mouths. Our mouths. Do you know what is destroying more relationships, more friendships, more marriages, more businesses, more ministry than or churches than anything else? That mouth. That mouth. It's not sex. It's not drugs. It's not pornography. It's not anything that would make our top ten list of sins. But it made three of the seven things that God said he hates. Yeah, we live in a country where we have the right of free speech. But if you haven't already found out, there are consequences behind what comes out of our mouth. The second lie that traps us. We can say whatever we want as long as we follow it up with, oh, I'm only joking, or JK. JK, just kidding. And there are those that believe that they can say pretty much whatever they want to say as, they, as long as they followed up with, uh, I was only joking. Then they'll say, something, oh, you're just being too sensitive. Come on, lighten up. And this is something that I've had to learn the hard way. I'm still learning it sometimes the hard way. But here's the truth. Even if that person is only joking or you're only joking, those words still cut and still leave marks. I'll never forget this. This has been years back, and I've grown a lot since this event. Uh, Mom and Dad were pastoring here, and there was a lady in the church uh, that felt like she could say pretty much anything to anybody. And Denise and I had been gone for a while, uh, and we were, I forget what we were back in for, but we were back in for some kind of event, and we were out in the fellowship hall talking to all the people. And this lady come up to me, well, Kelly. Looks like you've put on some weight since you've been gone. To which I looked at her and said, well, I'm just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> just kidding. No, I, now, now I probably wouldn't have worded it like that. I would have made it nicer. But... <laughs> And here's the thing, did those words, did they devastate me? No, didn't I? But I would be lying to say if they didn't cut a little bit. Because she's not telling me anything that I don't already know about myself. And you pointing it out doesn't feel, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Because some of you have been on the receiving end of somebody's jokes. And those jokes, no matter if they were just jokes, they hurt. Maybe you acted like it was nothing, but they cut you. And it doesn't matter if they're jokes, words hurt, words cut, words remind us of things that we already know about ourselves. Proverbs 26, 18, 19. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, hey, I was only joking. I was only joking. Anybody remember uh, Talladega Nights? Remember the clip where uh, Ricky Bobby 
And I started to play the video clip, but then I realized it had some things I probably couldn't play in church. Uh, but Ricky Bobby goes, telling his boss, hey, hey, no offense. And then he begins to tell this, and his boss goes, you can't just say whatever you want and say no offense. Well, sure I can. It's a constitutional right. And I think the first service said it's about, but I went back and did my research. It's a constitutional right. But that's the way some people feel. We can say just whatever they, whatever we want. But look at the scripture. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly whip weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Now, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can speak for me personally. I know what it's like to be shot with a 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah. We don't have time to go into the story. Uh, no, I know what it's like. And I was 16 years old, and, and I remember the doctor, when they went in there, they said, hey, we didn't, we didn't take, I've still got BBs in me from it, from, the, from, from whatever buckshot or whatever it was. And the doctor said, hey, we didn't take, cut the BBs out because it would have left these tiny little scars. They'll eventually work their way out. How many know? I was 16. I'm 54 now, right? Okay. They've not ever worked their way out. And that's like words. We believe eventually they'll work their way out if given enough time. But the problem is they never work their way out of us. Words are damaging and they are powerful. In Ephesians 5, Paul begins to tell people, hey, don't have anything to do with sexual immorality. Don't have anything to do with lust or greed. Stay away from those things. And then in verse 3, he continues with his warning about what they should stay away with. Look at this. Guard your speech. Forsake obscenity and worthless insults. These are nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Let me ask you, do you know who Paul's talking to here? Christians! Telling Christians, hey, come on, guys, stay away from obscenities, from worthless insults. You know, we were talking about, I forget what it was, and, and somebody said, well, yeah, it was just vulgar. And I said, well, I said, there's a difference between language and then someone that's just vulgar. There's a big difference in, in those two. And I don't know where I was going with that, but let's go. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back to me. He's talking to Christians here. And he says, hey, instead of having obscenities come out of your mouth, instead of worthless insults, here, do this. Let worship fill your what? Your heart and spill out into your... In other words, there's a connection between your heart and your words. And your words. According to Paul and according to Proverbs, it does matter what you say, even if you're only joking. Even joking. The third lie that will keep us trapped is this. That when our words are forgotten, their power is gone. Words have the ability to last forever. Especially in the day we're living in. When one click of a button or one click on a smartphone and people have instant access to words you spoke years ago. In fact, there are some scientists that believe that they're working on a technology even now that believe they can pull words from the universe that were spoken 100 years ago. English essayist and philosopher William Hazlitt said like this. He said, 
Words are the only things that last forever. They are more durable than the eternal hills. You know who I think would agree with him? Jesus. Jesus said this in Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. And the enemy would like for us to think that just because the words, it's been a while, that they'll just eventually disappear. But see, they'll eventually work their way out. But just like the BBs that have been in my Lexington since I was 16, sometimes they never work their way out of you. Because I know without a doubt there are people here today that something was said to you a week ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, even 50 years ago, and it has still never worked its way out of you. James 3, 3 through 5. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, he says, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. A lot of you will remember this back in 2016, the big fire that burned through Gatlinburg and through Sevierville and the Great Smoky Mountains and all of that. Anybody remember what caused it? A couple of teenagers playing with matches, thinking it would be funny to strike a match, a tiny spark. The results of that tiny spark, 15 people died, 191 were injured in the fire, 2,500 homes were destroyed, 11,000 acres inside the Great Smoky Mountains were burned, more than 17,000 acres throughout the path of the fire, and over $2 billion in damages. Why? Because of a little spark. And what James is saying, a tiny spark like that can wreak havoc. Our words are like that. Something, something said off the cuff, and the next thing you know, you've got a forest fire. James continues in verse 6. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. That's the power of our words, guys. Life and death and the power of the tongue. Again, there... There's not a person here or watching online that hasn't said words that we wish we could take back. Words that have hurt people, words that have demoralized people, cut them down. Words that we've said to others. But there is good news for us. If those hurtful, damaging words we said, if those things last forever, guess what? Words of hope. Words of peace. Words of encouragement, they last forever too. In 2 Timothy, Paul is talking to his, his spiritual son, and here's what he has to say, 2 Timothy 1, 2 and 3. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly Remember you in my prayers. What does it have to do with the words? 
Well, to pray, you got to use words. That word remember, when he says, I remember constantly. I constantly remember you in my prayers. The Greek word that's used there for remember means this, to build a memorial. To build a, a memorial, to be able to keep in remembrance. My mom and dad, the founders of this church, their, their burial site is right on this property, right down the hill uh, from, the, from the youth center. There's a tombstone there with their names on it. Date of birth, date of death, founders of Watts Bar Church with inscription. And it serves as a memorial to remember those that founded this church. Here's what Paul is saying about his prayers for Timothy. He said, Paul, I'm praying for you night and day. I'm praying for your safety. I'm praying for any needs you might have. I'm praying that you have the strength to stand strong when life doesn't make sense to you. And Paul is saying, these prayers, they're like a memorial to God. God sees them. They're there. I'm putting them up as a moral memorial. That way, wherever God turns, he sees the prayers that I'm praying for you. They're a memorial. Why? Because Paul knew their power in these words. It ended in my prayers. See, there's someone here that needs to know that a, a prayer you prayed five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, just because you haven't seen it answered doesn't mean that those prayers are not a memorial before God. This young man, my brother on the second row, are proof of the memorial that my God prayed or that my mom prayed daily over this young man. A memorial. I'm convinced, Bill. There are prayers my dad prayed over this place as a memorial. He never saw answered. But we'll see them answered. I'm convinced there are prayers, memorials that Denise and I are praying over this church, over this community. We may never see it answered. But the people that take over afterwards, they'll see it answered. Why? Because we're building memorials with our prayer that God can say, oh yeah, yeah. That's the power of prayer. So how do we break the curse of words that have been said to us? How do we break the curse of those words that have impacted us and have hurt us, caused pain? How do we break the power of those words that they've had over our life? Well, let's go back to where we started. When Jesus was talking in Matthew about words being like a tree, that the fruit of what you produce, you know, grows from that tree. You know, there, there's, how many know what happens to a tree or a plant when it doesn't get fed? It dies. My wife does not have a green thumb. She's got a black thumb. You've got a plant you've got something against and want to get rid of it? Give it to my wife. In a week, it'll be gone, and we won't even tell you where we buried the body. I don't know if we don't feed them enough. I don't know what we do. But the thing is, when he compares our, wor our, our words to trees, and then, or our life to trees, and then those words being the fruit that comes from those trees, the best way is to quit feeding it. Quit feeding it. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth is not what defiles them. 
It's what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. One word can destroy or defile us. One word. We we have these words that have been spoken over us. And they're still there. Years later, we still can remember words that were said over us or about us. And and then we wonder why some we see people act out or they're just angry. Here's the truth. Hurt people hurt people. There's only one way to kill a tree and break free from the power of the fruit and the words it's producing. Repentance. And forgiveness. Oh, PK, it was a long time ago. Listen, listen to me. If you don't deal with it, the nature of a tree is to produce some kind of fruit. That's just the nature. And if you don't deal with the words, things that were spoken over you, they will eventually produce fruit. They must be dealt with. This must be handled. And there's only one way to get rid of those trees in your life, and it's through repentance and forgiveness. I'm going to ask Bubba to come on up, and I want to close with a story about the power of words, power of words that are spoken over us. This is a true story. You can look it up. It's not embellished in any way. But many years ago, there was a seminary professor He was vacationing with his wife up in Gatlinburg. One morning, he said they started their day and they were getting some breakfast at this little restaurant. And while they were waiting for their food, they noticed this older gentleman that was going around from table to table talking to different people. The professor looked at his wife and this is me all the way. Looked at his wife and said, I hope he does not come over here. Kelly, you're, I know, but there's sometimes I see some of y'all, and I'm like, I hope they don't come over. No. <laughs> he said, I hope they don't come over here. I hope he doesn't come over here. I just want to finish my breakfast, eat my breakfast. Well, eventually the man, the older gentleman, came by the table. He said, where are you folks from? The older man asked, and the professor said, we're visiting from Oklahoma. He said, well, it's great to have you in here in Tennessee. What do you do for a living? The professor looked at the gentleman and says, I teach seminary. The older man said, oh, so you teach preachers how to preach. Let me share a story with you. And the professor says, I was really just wanting to finish my breakfast, not hear a story. But by this time, the older gentleman had already pulled up a chair to our table and began telling the story. Said the older gentleman pointed out the front of the restaurant window. Said, do you see that mountain over there? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to a very poor, unwed mother. The boy had a hard time growing up, especially back in those days, because everywhere he went, the same question would be asked to him. Who's your daddy, boy? No one knew who the boy's daddy was. His mother never told him nor anyone else. So it was the town mystery. And of course, being in a small town, people were constantly trying to solve the mystery of who the boy's daddy was. He said, it didn't matter what, he said, the 
old guy said it didn't matter whether the young man was at school or at a store people would ask him the same question who's your daddy he said sometimes the question was asked very innocently but usually it was done in a hurtful way knowing that the boy had no idea who his daddy was He heard the question everywhere he went and got to where he just dreaded it. And he would hide at lunchtime and recess from other students so that he wouldn't be picked on or asked the question again and again and again. He said on Sundays the boy would go to church late and then slip out early hoping to avoid the disapproving stares and the dreaded question, who's your daddy? Well, about 12 years old, a new pastor came to this church. And on that day, the pastor finished earlier than what the boy had expected. And he couldn't sneak out before it was over. And he found himself in the back of the church as everyone was leaving face to face with this new pastor. The new pastor reached out to shake his hand and asked the dreaded question. Hello there, son. Who's your daddy? Well, the very talkative crowd, he said, got very quiet, and the boy could feel all eyes were on him. The people were just waiting to hear what the, pa- what the boy would tell the pastor. Would they finally have the mystery solved? How would the boy respond? And he said the new pastor immediately felt this, the awkwardness of the situation and could see the boy's face becoming red with shame. And the pastor quickly followed up his question with this remark to the boy. Wait a minute. I know who you are. I can see the family resemblance on you. You are a child of God. He then took hold of the boy's shoulders, looked at him straight in the eyes and said, Son, you have a great inheritance. Now go and claim it. The boy's face began to glow in his Face had this huge smile, and the boy walked out of the church a changed person because of the words that were spoken to him that day. He said, From that day forward, when everyone asked him who his daddy was, he would smile and say, I'm a child of God. With that, the older gentleman got up from the table and looked at the professor and said, Isn't that a great story? The professor said, There really is a great story. The older man turned and walked away. He offered one final comment. He said, you know, if that new pastor hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably would have never amounted to anything. And then he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife couldn't believe that the older gentleman had just told them his life story. So they called the waitress over and said, do you know that the older gentleman that was at our table and the waitress said, of course I know who that is. Everybody around here knows him. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of the state of Tennessee. That's the power of words spoken over someone. That's the power of words that get spoken into someone that can direct and change someone's life like that. Stand with me across this room. 
I have no doubt at all. There are people in this room. There are people watching online that you have words that were spoken on to you, spoken over you. I don't care how long it go, but it's still affecting you. And it is still bearing fruit in your life. Been here, and we've got to deal with it. Why? Because what is inside each piece of fruit? Seeds. And here's the sad part. Those seeds usually get planted in our kids and our family and others closest to us. Words are powerful. And some of you know the result of words being spoken over you. You aren't good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're this, you're that. Maybe you are the one that said, who's your daddy? And you don't even know who your daddy is. Today, you walk out here saying, I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a, I know who my daddy is. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus. Jesus, Father. If you're here and you'd say, you know what, I'm going to be honest, Kelly. There have been words spoken over me that have impacted my life more than, I, more than I even realized until today. I've got a tree that has been growing on in me and it's producing fruits of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of resentment, of anger, of identity loss. I don't even know who I am because of words spoken over me. And I'm tired of living with that tree and the fruit it produces. And I want to be rid of it. If you're here today and you be honest, say, Kelly, I've had those words. And they've affected my life. And I don't want to pass them down. I want God to heal. If that's you, just raise your hand. And 9 a.m., yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, keep them up. Keep them up. If that's you, raise them. Raise them, raise them. Okay, put your hands down. I get a prayer team to come up. We didn't do this at 9 a.m., but I feel so directly led because I feel like God is about to do some inner healing in some, in some men and some women. There were men and women that raised their hand in this room, and God is going to do some healing work. God is going to uh, do some uh, tearing, not just cutting the tree down, but tearing the roots up so that nothing else can grow there. Here's what I'm going to ask. If you raise your hand, you're really tired of it. I know this is a big step. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. Come down here and let us pray with you. One, two, three. Come on. Hands are up everywhere. Don't wait. Don't wait to see some of them. They're responding. Get up here. Get up here. Come, man, 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 oh, man. God's moving. God's moving. Words were spoken. That's it, that's it. Yeah, have, have us out here. Lydia, would you come over here and just pray with Denise and these ladies? Sheridan, would you come over here and help Megan pray right over here? Anybody else? Tell me, God is doing a healing in here. Maybe you're young. Listen, 
Take care of it right now. Allow God to be getting healing in you right now. Words, things that were spoken over you. God wants to deal with it right now. Where you don't have to grow up of this. You don't have to deal with it later on. God wants to do it now. Where are you at? I'm telling you, today's your day. There's nothing to be ashamed, nothing to be embarrassed about. God wants to heal you right, right here today. Where are you at? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come heal. Holy Spirit, come move right now in this place. Holy Spirit, let your oil, the healing oil, begin to flow from the front to the back, even into the lobby. Let it flow. But God, begin to heal hearts. Begin to heal soul wounds that have been penetrated and, and put upon people. God, I pray healing right now. Healing. Healing, God. Healing from bitterness. Healing from resentment. Healing from anger. Healing from words and things spoken over them. Healing. 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 Oh Lord, oh God. Oh Lord, oh Lord, my God. Jesus, Jesus. While they're praying, heads bowed again. Maybe you'd say, Kelly, I'm going to be honest and say, I've been the one that has spoken words. Whether they were out of anger or they were just out of some hurt, but I've spoken words. And I, I just need God, I just need to ask God to forgive me for those things. I just want to take a moment and say, God, I repent for words I've spoken in the past for things that have come out of my mouth whether I meant them or not and I want to repent and I want you to begin doing healing inside of me to where I won't speak words of death but I'll speak words of life if that's you raise your hand yeah just keep them up I'm pray God you see every hand in here that is raised my hands raised too because God I've spoken words I've said words And God, I just pray, God, for healing over my mouth, God. For I repent for words I've spoken, for things I've said, for attitudes that I've taken. And I ask you would forgive me right now. Forgive us right now, God. And I pray that our words will begin to breathe life and speak life and not death into our children, into our marriages, into our families, into our lives. That we begin to speak life, life. In Jesus' name. Jesus name Jesus 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 finish what you're doing God finish what you're doing right now finish what you're doing finish what you're doing words that have made people question their identity words that have made people question who they are I I, I speak death to those words and life to who you say they are life into them Jesus Jesus yeah
Guys, I hope you're glad you came to church today. Um, I hope you take this word to heart. Not just the message, but how we as Christians should respond to the Roe versus Wade thing. And even in that, speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Man, set a guard over your tongue. Set a muzzle if you have to. And uh, listen, I am living proof, and those that know me will tell you I am living proof that God can change you because I would say anything and did not care if it hurt you, didn't care if it bothered you, offended you. And God has been changing those things in my life. I would say whether I was angry or spoke them out, God, my kids will tell you. So I'm going to tell you, we don't have to live with that. We don't have to make an excuse for it. God can heal it. God can heal us. Guys, I love y'all, and I know I know Ben's going to announce it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Next Sunday, July 3rd, one service only. 11 a.m., one service only, baptism. If you have not signed up to be baptized, you need to let us know. Uh, we're going to be baptizing people next week. And uh, it's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, Pastor Ben.